0: Yo! you! What? Listen to this podcast right now! Me? Do you want to hear a fucking podcast about anything and everything? Yeah. Like movies, oh music, god. television, and more? Oh my god. Well, you've come to the right place. Yes. Subscribe to Journey into Comics Network, <gasps> and you get Podcastrophe, oh Hosted god. by me, yes. Dick. Why not throw a couple bucks to the Patreon? It's yes. your choice. Yes. Yeah. This is a Podcastrophe. That sounds so awesome.
1: The following is a Journey to Comics Network production.
0: For well, a nicer guy, it couldn't happen. I'm the man of the hour, the man with the power. Diamonds are forever. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. And what you gonna do, Andre? History beckons the macho man. Yeah, the best there is, the best there was. Austin, 316, said I just whipped your ass. And man. The is here. Do I have everybody's attention now? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What's up everybody? Welcome to Journey Into Wrestling. We are in the midst of our season two. We are on episode six of season two here on Journey Into Wrestling. I'm one of your hosts Brando joining me here today as always my fellow tag team champion Nate. How's it going?
2: How are you, dude? I'm doing really, really good. Just coming off of the heels of a hot weekend of wrestling. Well, I guess it's been a little over a hot weekend by the time people are hearing this. But, yeah, man, how are you doing? Dude, I am doing uh, uh you
1: know, pretty good, all things considered. You know, rushing home to do a podcast. Racing all around to make sure that we can fit this podcast into our schedule. It is, you know, having three podcasts is not the easiest thing to keep track of. It's, and, and, and it's not that we forget. It's like we all have our separate lives, and we got to find ways to squeeze it in. So here we are, once again, squeezing her in to the last minute and hope. But uh, at least this time, it's not the day of.
2: I sometimes feel like we are, I don't care who you choose as a wrestler, but we're on the outside apron and the ref is counting to nine and three motherfucking quarters <laughs> and we somehow slide in last second <laughs> to save the match for ourselves. Uh to put it into that terms. But no, you know, that's just that's life of podcaster. We have to find time to make it happen. And and you know, you you said with three shows, but homie, I have four right now, currently. Yeah. So I totally get the uh the constant juggling of figuring out when, where, how you can do these podcasts. So I'm really grateful. We can be here today. We have a lot of different things to talk about, Brando. There was, uh, like I said, a huge weekend of wrestling. We had Survivor Series 2017, which was the 20th anniversary of the Montreal Screwjob.
1: It was, in fact, funny that you mention. We kind of covered that for our very first Patreon exclusive over on the Journey to Comics Network Patreon. Just search, just go to Journey to Comics. Or, uh, you know, go to patreon.com slash journey to comics. And for $3, you get exclusive content over there every month. You get every episode early, up to a week early. Whenever we get it done, it's up there first. You know, as it's scheduled out for normal release, if you just can't wait, if you just got to hear the newest content right away, it's there. But for $3, you get the extra bonus content that no one else gets to hear. It's secret. Nobody's supposed to know about it unless you're in the club.
2: Oh, I see what you did there. Hey. And
1: for our very first one, uh, it was t- I just kind of dawned on me. I was like, "Man, we're 20 years from the from the screw job," and we've always talked about maybe doing some retrospective stuff here on the show and not just covering what's going on now. So I thought it would be a perfect opportunity to do so. You and me, we sat down, we talked about the events leading up. I had, uh, you know, we had some some uh, like some some details from like the, uh, Brett's book and from other shoot interviews and from uh, first hand stuff to talk about like what happened what led up to this moment in professional wrestling history that changed the landscape forever and we talk about that it's a long one it's like a 2 hour podcast i actually put in the entire uh heel promo that Brett put in that clip is in the episode that as we talk about it you get to hear the whole thing i wanted to do more clips but unfortunately i just could not find any good enough audio clips or video clips uh for that and uh you know maybe maybe there's some more scandalous ways to get those clips but i was trying to do it as on the up and up as possible and you know maybe next time i just need to like put in a dvd and put up my zoom up to the tv
2: (laughs) and do this whole pirate style I mean, the only other way you could have done it was with like an iPad through an auxiliary cable. That's how I would have tried to do it. But still, even if you did that, the YouTube clip wouldn't have been clear enough. But I guess you could have used uh, WWE
1: Network if you were real crafty, or maybe use like a capture program or something like that.
2: Oh, smart! You know, smart. I don't know.
1: I just thought it would be something, you know, something kind of cool to throw in there to be able to hear a few more of the things. But um, but I did get the heel promo in, and that was like. Number one, because uh, when we recorded it, I actually read the whole promo. I said, "Nah, I'm not going to read the whole thing," and I read the whole freaking thing. Um, and it's funny because I read it in like probably like three to six minutes, but the, but but it's like a 12 minute promo. <laughs> him yeah, that's in the long, ring, he bro. Kinda, he, he, you know, him in the ring, he kind of like uh, draws it out just a little bit. But uh, you know, I read it really, and I, I'm glad I did read it because at least if I couldn't find it, it would it, like it would have been there. Yeah, because that was really like sort of like the catalyst to him going down the road that he went on being sort of backed up into a creative corner uh, for what was really a really awesome 1997 uh, for Bret Hart. But yeah, go guys, go check out that episode if you would, please. It was an awesome episode and we can't wait to do more of those episodes down the line. You forgot there's a special
2: guest voice appearance. (laughs) (laughs) No, <laughs> <laughs> we got to talk about it, Brando. Oh, man, can't dude. escape it if you will.
1: I can't. I can't remember exactly uh, how and why I started doing
2: Dusty Roads. You were there though, and you were in it to win it, man, for like <laughs> okay. a solid five minutes. It was a. It was pure gold.
1: I did the whole outro of uh, of, of the show. <laughs>
2: yeah, if you will, Oh, baby. I tell you
1: what, baby. If you want to go over there to that Patreon slash. Junior in the comics, you'll get the entirety of the Montreal screw jobs from the Junior into Wrestling group. I tell you what, you're gonna love this baddie. I, I can't even speak, man. I'm I'm starting to like roll over my own lips. I wonder if Dusty Rhodes ever rolled over his own lips, if you will. Maybe. What? Well, I remember the first time I ever tried to do Dusty. I I heard him do this commercial for some like podcast or radio show. And it was when it, it's when still like Florida Championship Wrestling was still around, and Dusty was working with Florida Championship Wrestling. Uh, this is for like that was before it became NXT, and uh, Dusty was done commentary, and um, Dusty like, maybe that's how I do it, maybe I get up, I get up and I eat because I get hungry, and then I go down the Florida Championship Wrestling and I call some spots, and I come home and I take me a long ass nap because I get tired. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh he's hilarious he was hilarious man
1: oh man he was so off the wall never really knew what he was gonna say until he got there but uh yeah dude i i sort of just went hog wild and again like, to my dusty and well and i, I think that's a, good... a i think
2: that's a beautiful thing brando Do you know why why is that baby well because he's the creator of war games baby well, he is the creator
1: of War Games, man, baby, and it's really, it was really good to see the War Games be brought back. I mean, we're seeing the return of War Games, stockade, if you will, coming back to in the Greensboro Coliseum in North Carolina this past weekend. And uh, you know, the War Games is lit You know, the War Games has evolved over the years. Now it's been 20 years since I last seen the War Games, and they and they and they took the top off the damn thing, so now they could jump off of it like those crazy son of bitches that they were. The NXTs. But but we're gonna talk about that right now. Nate, what do you think about war games? I mean, first, I mean, I got to tell you, baby, that that when it came to the NXT Takeover War Games, that the one match I was not expecting to steal the show was that with the one Alice the Black and the Velveteen Dream.
2: Hey, you want to know something crazy? It's What's on up? right now. Currently, it is currently on right now. And I also just temporarily unplugged my headphones so I couldn't hear you, but. We're back with it. Uh, this match, Velveteen Dream, Alistair Black, you know, the whole storyline of this is Velveteen Dream just wants Alistair Black to say his name. That's it. And and Alistair Black will not give in to this. He's just like, I, you're not worth my time, kid. You're not worth my time. This match was amazing. This match could easily be put up on a, a top, of the year, you know, match of the year contender for sure. Is it the match of the year? No, but it was damn good. It it was match of the night easily.
1: I actually agree with that. Like uh, like of course the splendor of war games, the gimmick of that is going to like outshine it, but as as a pure like I thought like as a pure one-on-one match this was the best match of the night and I love the I love the Velveteen Dreams tribute to, like, Rick Rude with the airbrush tights. Yeah, I thought that was a good touch. I liked the little weird, little, like, mind games that they would play with each other in the middle of the match. Uh, they both had character. And, see, that's one thing that I really like about NXT is that it's it's everything that the WWE is new school with just a pinch of that old school, like, 80s wrestling thrown in. You know, it's like they actually get to go out there and they actually get to Wrestle, and that's not that we don't get to see wrestling on the main roster or on the main pay per views. We do. It's just it is so overproduced. And you know what's the, and that's something that was actually I've been watching a whole lot of random videos, and it was a shoot interview with Al Snow, of all people, and he was talking about the modern day wrestling, and he said, he said I want to tell you what what sucks about today's wrestling. He goes, it's not the fact that it's PG. PG has nothing to do with it. He said, it's so overproduced. He goes, these agents are sitting at Gorilla with the headset on, talking to the referee, giving instructions, spot for spot to these guys, reminding them, do this spot, heat it up, turn it down, grab this, grab that, make sure you do this, and the referee's constantly talking to them. Whereas back in the day, you had your spots that you wanted to hit, you filled out the rest, and you felt the crowd.
2: Yeah, and you create a moment. And
1: so now it's like it's so overproduced that these guys have to go out there. They're more worried about missing their spots than they are about filling the crowd because on top of all of this overproduced uh, mess, they are still expected to try and fill the crowd, and it's like, how do you do that? And so, man, I in NXT, I don't know because it kind of just seems like that Triple H and, and maybe a few others are at Gorilla calling the, you know, calling the stuff. It doesn't really like for all the stuff that I've seen, uh, you know, from like behind the scenes stuff, it kind of seems like it's a little bit, it seems like less is more. And I hope that's the way it is. I really do because, um, that just made total sense to me. You know, people have been bitching about the PG era and how it's different. It's like, it's, it's not so much the content and what's on your television. It's the fact that it's so it's become too much of a, of a television show and less of a wrestling product. And I think that's because it is wrestling is, is a niche. And they they want to be so much bigger. They want to be so much more expansive in, in that word of wrestling. They don't want it to be just wrestling. They want it to be sports entertainment. They want it to be a television show. They want it to be a multifaceted show where when you tune in, you find something that you want to see. But, every, but with all that stuff going on, things get lost in that. And it just becomes a... You know, especially with Monday Night Raw being three hours, a glorified mess. Sometimes, with you, you, you get, occasionally you get some really good wrestling thrown in. Other than that, it's like, man, I don't know what's going on with this segment. It in the dude's talking, and I, and I don't feel it because it's he, it's not his words. He he's not putting himself into these words because he has to read what's on the sheet of paper. Um, you know. I really feel like it's like, man. Can these kids? No offense, and here I am. I'm not in the fucking business. I, I get this. I'm a fucking fan. I'm a Mark. I know. But thank you. But how the fuck can somebody in the wrestling business learn to talk and be a character when you, someone writes every word that you say? That You're would just be like parroting. Well, Nate, that would be like you giving me, like, making, if, if I'm going to go do a promo, you write my promo for me and say, no, 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 You you say this line the way I want you to say it, and it's like, well, I don't want to, I, I don't think I would say it that way. Some guys don't get, they don't, they're, they're not stricted, like, a New Day does it, but they are allowed to a little bit more freedom. Punk always said that he would get the sheet, look at it, throw it in the trash. Yep. You know he was old school he and he and he even said that everybody just doesn't have the balls to go out there and do what do what you want because it's live television and I remember hearing that like even like back during the attitude era, they wanted you to read the script, but if you went off script, it's live television. what are they going to do? turn you off and as long as you're willing to take the ass chewing, you could kind of do what you wanted and nowadays. They don't want you to do that. It's different and whatever. But, man, this is wrestling. At its core, it's wrestling. And I really feel like NXT is more wrestling. And it's more old school in that. that. And maybe that's just the way they they present it. But that's the way it definitely comes off.
2: Absolutely. And to finish on the Velveteen Dream Alistar Black match, just to brief on it real quick, I want to say that I loved how it ended with Alistair Black saying Velveteen Dream's name by way of saying enjoy infamy Velveteen Dream because they knew they put on a stellar match. One thing I will complain about with war games in general, you're going to have war games and there are two rings right next to each other. Why is the only match utilizing those two rings the, 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 the namesake match? Why isn't someone taking and dragging their opponent in the other ring and pummeling the shit on them for a second and, you know, bringing him back over or running as a scare tactic. I don't understand why they didn't do that. That was something that kind of fell flat for me. If you watch old uh, WCW
1: pay-per-views with the two rings, like uh, all the pay-per-views that had the war games, uh, your your Russell Wars, your fall brawls, wherever it was, um, typically they didn't do that. They kind of stuck to their ring. So... Yeah, I mean, a new school thing, especially with the high flyers, would be like going all around and using the rings in a different way. But typically it's like, you know, they. if you notice, they did the old school thing like they used to do where one match would be in one ring and the next match would be over here. And then they flip flop back and yep. forth until it was the war games. And that's the that's exactly the way they used to do. So I want to say that whatever ring that they're in, that that's the ring where the pinfall has to happen.
2: Well, I'm sure that makes sense. But I was more saying, like, utilizing the ring for, like, cool jump moves and shit. There's all this other... I feel you. You
1: know? I mean, um, I definitely feel you with that. Now, Nate, we have a new NXT Women's Champion.
2: Yeah, we do. I'm so excited about this. Finally getting the nod, Ember Moon. And they put on a hell of a match. It was pretty good. Yeah, man. Uh, She finally
1: got the title win. And, of course, I really like that Asuka came in and presented it to her. Uh, You know, Regal was in there with the belt. Asuka comes in and, you know, celebrates with Ember Moon. Obviously, they worked in NXT. They had some really great matches down there. And it never just really panned out, especially with Asuka getting hurt, where she actually got to put Ember over. And, um, I mean, that kind of worked to Asuka's favor because now she's still
2: undefeated, but... Yeah, and they keep talking about her undefeated streak. They brought it up again this week on Raw. They're slowly, you know, turning the heat up on that, making it a thing people will be talking about. They're slowly introducing kind of the sprinkles of Goldberg, as it were. Well, uh, she's already passed Goldberg's streak. Really? Oh, yeah. She did that over the summer. Damn. I didn't know that. And- Goldberg tweeted at her and, like, congratulated her. I watched the Goldberg 24. I did, too. I thought it was really well done. It was really well done. It was really interesting to see, like, the behind-the-scenes footage in 02 or 03 when Vince was, like, barking at him to do it differently when he was about to cut the promo, and it was kind of like a different insight to what the, like, some of the, the dark shit they don't talk about in the business, you know? Oh, exactly oh, what we were I just don't. talking about, how you kind of have to be... Told what to say, and you're you're kind of told to no do it more like this. Why aren't you doing? You're because you're still being directed, as it were.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and yes, and and in WWE, especially with Vince, you've always been directed. Um, but I don't necessarily think he was barking at him. I just think he was trying to get get what he wanted out of like out of Bill uh, in the, in that instance. Um, the promos and that and that kind of stuff, the backstage stuff, that has always been really heavily produced but as far as like word for word stuff i don't think that they that they should have that i i think that should be a no i think you need to learn how to talk because one thing that i really hated was a guy like shelton benjamin um doesn't he he's never really been that good of a talker especially back in the day right yeah. and so then he would be re, he, he he'd be saying lines and you would feel no emotion in them whatsoever he would just be saying them and you're like i do not buy you you could not, <laughs> you could not sell like, like you could not sell anybody anything, you know. Because I'm the golden of, standard, yeah, right? And you, like, like there are some guys, you know, you know, there are some guys that are just such good talkers that they could sell a dying man a health club membership, you know. So it's <laughs> like, I mean, it, 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 Shelton Benjamin could not do that, <laughs> absolutely not, but. And that's not a dig at Shelton. I love Shelton. I think he's a great worker, and I even think that I think he's gotten a little bit better uh, at that uh, throughout the years. But man, when he was young and like he was like getting that push, and he just they wanted him to be one way, and he was like, I just uh, okay, yeah, I'll read these lines, <laughs> and it just man, it just came off as empty and, and and hollow. But Nate, we also have another new champion in NXT. And some really bad news to go along with that. Um now I almost said
2: Drew Galloway. Nice save. He came back to WWE, <laughs> so he gets the McIntyre back. He drew McIntyre, lost the
1: NXT uh title to Andrade Cienamas. Which was the planned and, finish. Yes. Very important that, to note. That was the planned finish. They didn't have to do an audible. But the last move in the match, I believe that's where they think it happened, where he held onto the rope for that top rope DDT, and he tore his fucking bicep, and he's out four to six months.
2: You know, it's actually, I'm going to say a thing, and you're going to feel me on this. It's a blessing in disguise for him. It really is. He doesn't have to go to NXT now. He can come back on the main roster. I think he has done due diligence and... That would be huge, unexpected return from him.
1: Well, here's what I would do. Hold on. Sure, sure, sure. Let's hear it. All right. So, so you know, so they got CN as champion, and his next challenger is not going to be a rematch with McIntyre. Can't be. It's going to be Adam Cole. Bay bay. Adam Cole is going to rule the roost. Love it. If if McIntyre can push himself. Take over WrestleMania weekend.
2: If he Return. can get cleared.
1: If he can get cleared. McIntyre, Adam Cole, NXT title, WrestleMania weekend takeover. Where's WrestleMania at this year? Oh, it's in New and it's in New Orleans. Yep. Uh so take over New Orleans for for NXT that weekend and on that do they do that on Friday now? Or I can't remember.
2: Yeah, it's Friday because Saturday is the, Hall, the of Fame, Hall of Fame, and then Sunday is Mania.
1: Or, or did they did they switch that this year? Because I can't remember. No, maybe I they... think you. I think they did because they did the Hall of Fame, and then they put up stuff for the NXT, and they used the same out because they had the same arena for Monday and Tuesday. That's right, um, and so that way they don't have to set up for the wrestling and then tear it down, and set up for the Hall of Fame, tear it down, set up for the wrestling. Um, So that saves them a little bit of money. So I I hope that's the case because that's what I would do 100%. I would be like, dude, you better get on this, get healed, because you could be here, and you want to be here. And, you know, unfortunately, it is a pretty bad injury. Do not rush it. As much as I said rush it. Don't. (laughs) Don't, you know. Cena rushed it. He did rush it. But, see, you also run the risk of, like, fucking yourself up to the point of – you're out longer, and you don't want that.
2: Also true. You know, Cena, though, was a lot less physical after his comeback. He wa- he didn't get full bore and do a bunch of crazy shit after he returned from that injury. You know, he was right back in the mix, but they didn't have him doing a lot of the crazy stuff. So he was kind of protected in that manner. And he's not super f- uh, ultra-physical anyways. So Drew, however, is a physical wrestler and does a lot of stuff, so... It's really unfortunate, but I do think that if you don't book him to come back to NXT to challenge Adam Cole, which would be amazing payoff, considering that was it was SummerSlam, wasn't it? That the, the uh, Undisputed debuted. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, it would just be cool to have a big moment at WrestleMania, and be like the closing chapter of WrestleMania season. B Drew versus Adam. I, I, I do really like that. Uh, of course we to talk about Adam Cole, we can't not discuss the fact that we had the NXT War Games match. It was uh the Undisputed Era versus Roderick Strong, the authors of Pain versus Sanity. What did you think of this match, Brando? I
1: thought it was pretty darn good. Of course, they changed the rules just a little bit. Uh, instead of it being a, uh, two team, uh, well, I guess the last one they did was a three team technically, huh? With team Wolfpack, Hollywood and WCW, but they did it this way where it started with like one person from each team started and then they still did the intervals, the five minute first and then the two, three minute ones or however long it was. Um, and so like then the next two guys came in. So then you could, uh move the match along a little bit faster um, and get everybody in there to do to do the spots. I thought this is pretty well done, uh, especially since this was the first war games the WWE has attempted. And I thought it came off really well. I Absolutely. Mean, I, think it, I think it lived up to the old war games name and uh, them taking the top off did actually let them utilize more space and more, uh, more real estate in there. Because with that top on there, uh, I watched. Um, I watched the War Games match from Wrestle War ninety uh, two. It was the one where it was the Sting Squadron versus the Dangerous Alliance, and uh, you they would like they'd be on the turnbuckle, and they would grab hold of the top of the cage and then do like a. Do like a kick Instead of like A drop kick on you Yeah Like they had to be creative And I remember There was actually A danger one year Where uh, Sid Vicious Went to powerbomb somebody Dude like You're too tall Sid (laughs) Dude Dude hit the top Of the cage And Sid Pretty much like Dropped him right on his neck He's like Like it was like Whoa And thankfully Dude was okay I think But It's a pretty sick Looking bump um, But them taking the top off, at first I was like, I don't know how, how I feel. Turns out, perfectly fine. Absolutely fine. I thought it was great. I cannot wait. I hope they do a War Games-style match on the main roster at some point when it calls for it. Don't bring it out. Don't make it a yearly thing. Don't do it a hell in a cell. Don't do a Elimination Chamber. Reserve it for when it is needed to be utilized. And I just really feel that... Um, that they did a great job here, and it, it for 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 them just kind of bringing it out of nowhere, and I really hope that Triple H was able to sell Vince on this because it, it turned out tremendously well. They even when Insanity came in with the rest of the group, uh, then they brought in the weapons, and you and you saw some uh, a chain and some chairs and the table. Tables people got people got busted open hard way in this match. Uh, one dude from Sanity got he got cut from the table, and he was a gusher um yeah got it on the back of his head and uh dude like the match is pretty damn good i want to um didn't adam cole get the pin adam cole
2: pins eric young to win war games and the undisputed era reigns supreme
1: i mean i know they won but i was like trying to remember the finish because i remember like at one point the like the last three guys standing were the three guys who started it
2: yeah, Roderick Strong, Adam yeah. Cole, and Eric Young, which was yeah. awesome, you know.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm really glad that Eric Young is in the company. He's a great worker. He's always been great. Uh, but here he's actually, I really feel like he's being utilized pretty damn you know, pretty damn well. And it's it's something different for him than we've seen in the past with this Sanity Group. And I can't wait for them to eventually be get called for the main roster. Dude. Uh, I'm starting to get more and more into these authors of pain guys. I didn't really get into them when they first came in. I thought they were pretty generic, but the more I see them, the more that they're the more that they're getting over with me, and the more yeah. that I seem to like them. And I'm trying to remember the name of the dude, the big, uh, the more rotund guy from from Insanity. I can't remember his
2: name. Uh, Killian uh, Dane. Yes,
1: he uh, he was in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal this year. Uh, that dude. He reminds me of, like, a monsterish Mick
2: Foley. Yes. Um, Did you see that crazy fucking spot from the corner? The corner-to-corner, the coast-to-coast, like uh, Shane O'Mac? That dude's, like, 325 pounds, (laughs) flying in the air like Shane O'Mac. What the fuck?
1: (laughs) Dude, that dude on the other end was, like, he was sitting there going, oh, God, oh, God, why did I get talked into this? Why me? Poof!
2: I think Roderick Strong took No no it was uh uh Kyle uh I think it was Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah. Cuz it's Kyle like, O'Reilly, Bobby Fish and uh Adam Cole.
1: Bobby Fish just sounds like a
2: villain from like Batman. I he, was going to say Bond, but okay. Well, there yeah,
1: Bond or like, he just sounds like a gangster.
2: Okay, totally. Absolutely does. Yeah. Uh, yes, Bobby Fish. Yes. Bobby fish, let you, baby, make I you the, swim with
1: Games, the fish. Oh, I I tell you what, the baby is. I thought the War Games was a really good event. I thought overall it was pretty good. Some people thought it was better than the Survivor Series counterpart. Uh, for the most part, I would say that I thought they were relatively even this year. Um, yeah, I thought Survivor Series. As as we're going to shift into that, I thought Survivor Series was a pretty darn good show. There wasn't a bad match on the card. It was
2: just a bit of a it was long. Yeah, it was long. Before we leave uh, War Games, I'll say that I would probably give the card overall a 3.75 for the event. It was Yeah. It was it was, a, it, was a, it was very good. It wasn't quite a four-star event. I think the opening match was really not the way to kick the show off. Uh, Cassius Ono and Lars not Ulrich whatever the hell his name is <laughs> big ass motherfucker but uh, you know they're not bad workers but it just didn't set the tone for the night it didn't get me pumped that we were at NXT TakeOver again and typically they do come out in strong fashion you could have had Alistar Black Velveteen Dream open up the show and, and no one's following it but it would have been amazing you know it would have been a great yeah. kick off to the show Uh, Before we move, okay, what did you think Uh, on a five? What do you give War Games? I'd probably give it a good three and a half. Okay, Uh,
1: okay. And that's just, uh, you know, like, I didn't mind the opening match. Uh, It was okay. Um, The women's match was pretty good. Um, And then, like, the Velveteen Dream, as I said, that one's kind of stole the show. Uh, McIntyre and CN was better than what it deserved to be. Uh, if I vibe that. Me, if if that makes any sense, I didn't expect that match to be that great, and it was all in all, all things considered, pretty great. But it's also with the Velveteen Dream, Ulster Black match, and the War Games match, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle there. Uh, but yeah, I would say a good three and a half. Um, yeah, good, a uh, really good show. I missed. Um, I have a really bad habit about not catching the pre shows
2: now. It's okay, the pre-show was literally like, hey, we're not paying attention at all to what we've hyped this whole event of being because you had the kickoff match being Elias from Raw defeating Matt Hardy from Raw. So, no Raw versus SmackDown, the only night of the year where they go head-to-head. They've already forgotten about that at the kickoff. The cruiserweight match...
1: Owen and Zane was another match like that, too, because they faced... Um, they, they defeated the Breezango.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Both from SmackDown. Oh, and then look. Enzo Amore defeated Callisto of the Cruiserweight division, all having nothing to do with the idea. It's like every show got one, like, we're the best show. Okay. We're the best show. Okay. But, and then there was no representation from the cruiserweight division in the rest of the card. They just lost after that first one. Uh, but to get into the main card here, we kick it off with what probably could also be considered match of the night quickly The Shield v. New Day. What did you think, Brando? Pretty good.
1: I thought uh, overall they did a damn good job. And, uh, They really played on the fact, uh, you know, some of the more, uh, some, some, you know, like some of those, like, like the New Day shenanigans and things that they do. Um, overall, I thought this was a pretty darn good match that really utilized everybody. And of course, the Shield was going to win uh, their first official like pay per view match back. They're not going to lose.
2: Yeah, that's you're looking at it as a real pro watcher of wrestling and seeing it for what it is. We'll talk about that later, too, because there was another thing that happened later in the card that was super obvious, like immediately obvious what was going to happen leading into this match. We'll talk about it. But uh, the Shield defeats the New Day. It's a great match. A lot of fun spots here. There's, uh, you know, they're doing a good job getting Roman over. You know, they're really trying to rework him and give him a second chance and spoiler alert it's not second chance more like the third fourth
1: chance now uh i guess it's yeah they've dropped the ball in the past yeah
2: Um, well the first one wouldn't be considered roman's fault because they could have given him the push when batista won and people would have been excited to see roman win but then they forced him down our throats the very next year and it just did it was because counterproductive. everybody wanted
1: because everybody was getting behind Roman in the shield they're like, oh, this guy's this is, oh yeah, they're gonna love this guy it, it, it it's a story of wrong a right guy a right guy you know wrong place, wrong time because uh, I mean that year they wanted Brian, yeah, you know, and then the next year, like, oh yeah, they'll want Roman, no, they want Brian now for real, yeah, and you know they didn't get him, and then then they're like, all right, let's make him want Roman." With, and that was what Triple H that uh, that that year it was year at, the year after that, and really it's like they've had moments where they've had Roman over, and then they fumbled. Well, there sucks. They're starting to really.
2: Oh, go ahead. Sorry,
1: I was just saying Roman's a good worker. Absolutely, he's not a bad worker. He's a good, <laughs> he's not a bad worker. He's not a good worker. He's, He's the, the worker. worker. No, he is a good worker. He's not the best on the mic either, but he can get the job done. I mean, I've said it before. Ten years ago, this guy would have been on top and no one would have complained. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's just a matter of timing. And um, I, I do roll my eyes at some of the, more of the pushing down the throat stuff that they do with him. But, like... I'm kind of indifferent towards him. I'm not like super into him, but I'm like, I not going to change the channel necessarily. I, I I'm, i I'm, it's not like I was with Cena there for a while where I was like, I just really did not want to see him on my screen anymore. I don't Absolutely. think he's annoying except I, I, I do think Roman's annoying when they, when Vince scripts his promos, <laughs> there was that one SmackDown promo where he said, sweet suffering, suck attach, son or something like that. Yeah. And ridiculous. You're just like, no
2: nobody says nobody says that uh speaking of roman reigns news we should mention it here congratulations roman you are now the new intercontinental champion of monday night raw he defeats the miz right after the survivor series pay-per-view the following night uh i think this is a smart move putting the belt on roman now cuz like i said their war- their people are warmed up to him again and they're keeping the shield together I do not feel surprised by any means to see that, like, Dean and Seth will probably regain the tag titles soon. hmm And the Shield will be holding gold again like they did previously when, you know, Roman and Seth were tag champs and Dean was U.S. champ, I do believe. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Hey, there's that beautiful cage. I love the modification of the cage, by the way. They, they, the the overall modifications to War Games cage. Just mentioning because it's still you on know my what we
1: actually didn't mention that uh, for this uh, for this one they actually put like a little middle grate in between the rings that we yes really fall, fall in, and they actually did like a few spots uh, utilizing that little area. Uh, but yeah, yeah, they made a few
2: modifications to the cage, and uh, I I thought it, I thought it looked good. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh moving on in this Survivor Series card here, we had uh you know the traditional women's 5 on 5 elimination match. Uh Team Raw v Team Smackdown. The match is okay. Uh doesn't really have a lot of super memorable moments. I know that you know Asuka ended up fighting off two or three surviving members of Team SmackDown and then ended up winning Tamina, the whole thing.
1: Tamina and Natalia. Yeah. So, yeah, Asuka. I mean, and that and right, that right there, that helped protect Asuka too. So, it uh, and, and made her look like a boss. So, right there, that puts Raw up to to zip. But that's about to change because the U.S. champion, Baron Corbin, defeated the Intercontinental champion, The Miz, in a non-title uh, one-on-one SmackDown versus Raw match. And a uh, pretty decent match here, and I felt like, in a way, the right guy won, even though it, that right guy was Baron Corbin. I can't uh, believe you just uttered those words. Dude, I know. I know. But his ring work is getting better. Uh, he, no, hit His mic work is still, like, you know, he, like, like he has a personality of, like, a rotten foot. But he just...
2: <laughs> 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 the- that's the greatest insult I've heard somebody tell someone. You have the personality of a rotten foot. Jesus. <laughs>
1: oh, that's great. Oh man, uh, I don't have much else to say about it. It, 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 it was there. It, it was okay. Um, it, so that put SmackDown on the map with with two to one. The match after that, the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the Usos. Defeated the bar, uh, Cesaro or Cesaro and Sheamus. Um, a great this I thought this was a pretty darn good match um, between the two teams. Usos won that, but in making it even two and two. Uh, do you have anything to to add to the tag match here?
2: It was a great match overall. Uh, didn't really surprise me again. Usos were going to win. You had to make it kind of a battle of the night. So mm-hmm. going in, I felt like it made sense for the Usos to win this. It doesn't hurt the bar to lose to the SmackDown champs, considering the Usos are probably the top tag team in the WWE. That's all I have for that, though. Following that, though, Brandon, we had the champion versus champion uh women's match smackdown women's champ charlotte defeating alexa bliss man that was a, that was a pretty good match right again pretty solid i mean there was no there, there were no bad matches
1: on like on the card here uh on the main card at least uh, that i saw you know uh, they were they were at least um, even, even the corbin and miz match they were they were either good to just you know you know decent enough to be on the card You know, nothing bad here at all. And, and, you know, Charlotte goes over here to put SmackDown up 3-2. to But that's about to change. Because the other champion versus champion, the universal champion Brock Lesnar, defeated WWE champion AJ Styles. And uh, I thought this match was really good for the amount of time that they had. They told a great story here. Of course, you know... AJ's my boy. I've been a long-time uh, fan of AJ Styles, going back to, like, 04. You and showed him.
2: him to me when he was in TNA, and you were like, yes. dude, check this guy out. Him and Samoa Joe, I will never forget you first showing me that, like, Bound for Glory. Whatever year you first started watching TNA, you got, like, a Slam-a-versa- ripped version. slam was slam anniversary. Oh five. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, that um yeah those
1: guys they because that was Joe's debut in TNA um Styles they start the match off with him being absolutely just dominated for the first five minutes and then he starts doing that Rocky underdog comeback you know Rocky versus the Big Russian and they told this story of this little guy who just is gonna he's gonna not he's not gonna quit he's gonna get in there and he's gonna try to win and I love the fact that Brock sold for him oh yeah. He sold for him, and he made AJ look great. Yes. And uh, right now, of course, they've been doing this thing for about a year that no one's kicking out of the F5. Have you noticed that?
2: One F5 and done. If you get hit with it, it's over. And that's going to happen all the way until WrestleMania 34, when Roman's (sighs) going to kick out. Yep.
1: But that's smart because... You want that you want people to go, holy crap, he kicked out,
2: making he, and, and, the finisher mean something again, yes, and a j
1: brought the fire here, and he you know he got Brock and the calf crusher, and Brock sold that so much that apparently he was actually selling it backstage. Oh shit, and as some people who were working backstage actually thought Brock might have actually been injured, Wow. And but Brock was selling AJ to the point that he was selling it backstage in limpin and uh made AJ look like a fucking million bucks and made it made it he made AJ look like he belonged in there with Brock or Lesnar and he did not have to do that. Lesnar could have went in there and stiffed him and made and made him like his bitch. All loved AJ. That's Brock Lesnar. Former UFC heavyweight champion. You're going to be his bitch if he wants you to be his bitch. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, a lot of people who are MMA fans may may like to dog on Lesnar for, you know, kind of coming in and having a cup of coffee. But dude's a big motherfucker. I would not want to fuck with that guy. No. I mean, I, I see him down a dark alleyway or even in an airport, and I'm just going <laughs> to act like I don't even notice him. <laughs> You know, But uh, yeah, Lesnar but just keep a walking. and yeah, Just keep walking. Lesnar gets the win here, evening up the score, and that brings us to the men's traditional 5-on-5 Survivor Series. Team Raw, which is captained by Kurt Angle with Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, and Triple H versus Shane McMahon, Randy Orton, Bobby Roode, Shinsuke Nakamura, and John Cena. Now, on short, I will say that... Uh, I really did not think that this match was as good as some of the Survivor Series matches in the past. Uh, primarily what I say is like the like in the past few years because I thought last year's was really good where you had, uh, uh, I want to say the very end was like Roman versus Bray and Randy. Yeah. And like Roman went for the spear and Randy took the spear. Like Randy pushed Bray out of the way. Um, I thought that match was good. And then the 2015 or 14, I don't remember. It was the year of, where it was the authority versus team Cena and sting came out. Yeah. That survivor series match was amazing.
2: Absolutely. Uh, really, really
1: good. This year. I thought it was okay. Uh, this was not my favorite match on the card. You had a lot of cool moments, but that's kind of it. And, uh, I liked the the Bobby Roode and Triple H uh, spinebuster moment. Yep, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I liked uh, some. Uh, I like some of the eliminations here. Uh, I liked how uh, I believe it was uh, Cena hit Joe with an F. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, A A. Uh, he hits Joe with an A, with an A A, and then he hit Balor with one. Then he hit Joe with another one <laughs> to get that. Um and then to eliminate Cena, Angle hit uh, Cena with an angle slam, I think. Yeah, and then and then Finn Finn hit the coup de gras, and then you know was that the pin or 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 did Angle hit another angle slam on him? I don't remember.
2: No, I think that's the pin. uh I will say there's one thing. This match kind of angers me because while you, like you said, it had some cool moments and some cool spots that we're talking about here. It also eliminated all your young talent first except for one dude and had almost all the old vets in there when it should have been some of the old vets going out and then really making some of these stars. Bobby Roode should not have been one of the first eliminated. Shinsuke Nakamura should not have been one of the first eliminated. I hear you, but I disagree with you because it all depends on the story you're
1: telling. The story they're telling is leading up to Triple H and Angle, and that is the story that got predominantly told here due to Triple H like I loved the end of the match.
2: Oh, I agree. I loved the ending. It was it was brilliantly um, done.
1: Because of how they were doing the triple H and Angle at at odds with each other. I liked how Braun was in the ring getting ready to destroy Shane and Shane was like kind of the whole like swallowing it going. All right. All right, let's do it. I ain't backing down. And then Braun's like he's just like he's like that that hungry hyena waiting to lick his chops. And then Triple H tagged himself in and Braun looked at him like, Excuse me, bitch?
2: <laughs> yeah, know? exactly.
1: And then Triple H gets in there and then Kurt tags himself in and Triple H kinda looks at him and then Angle and Shane go at it and Angle gets Shane in the ankle lock and um looks like Shane's gonna have to tap. He's got nowhere else to go because he tried to get to the ropes once. Rule is, you go once, you're not getting back again. Um, especially, uh, he, uh, Angle didn't do it, but I was waiting for Angle to like lay down. Yeah. <laughs> like he used to do and grab that leg lock. But Triple H comes in and attacks Angle and pedigrees him and puts Shane on top of him. Yep. And then he gets the pin, and I love the look that Braun is giving Triple H. Like, what? <laughs> he just he looks so confused, like a chimp doing a math problem. I loved it.
2: What the fuck are <laughs> you doing right now exactly? What and exactly
1: then, are you thinking about doing? And then Shane's like trying to pull himself up and he's confused too, like, Huh? What? What you what what's going on? And then Triple H pedigreed Shane. Ultimate then,
2: tale of, you know, H wanted to do it himself.
1: Right. And then uh he wanted to give that that kind of F you to Kurt. Um uh, and then uh, he won the match. So it's Triple H and Braun Strowman surviving, and Raw wins the night. And then H, H is like, Come on! To-, to Braun's like, We won!
0: See, 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 we won!
1: I-, I loved how he's like trying to celebrate, and Braun is still looking at him like, What?
2: <laughs> what the fuck did you just do? <laughs>
1: right. Like, and I. I love it because Braun is selling this like he is just completely flabbergasted. And Triple H is playing one of his games. You know, he's the master manipulator. He's the game. And they ended it perfectly. They stayed true to what I feel like is and should be Braun's character. Because he grabbed H and took him down in that corner, and the uh, and H sold this perfectly, looking just terrified.
2: <laughs> I thought and, he was gonna crush his jaw off.
1: Oh, dude! And Braun says something like, "If you ever try to pull one on me again, it'll be the last game you ever play." And then he's, he has him by the he has him down in the by, you know by the neck, and he lets him go, and he's gonna walk away. And H can't leave well enough alone. So H tries to attack Braun, and Braun fucking lays him down <laughs> with that power sl- power slam, and then the crowd goes freaking nuts for this. Oh yeah, and um, and then of course he's like he's screaming and yelling and doing his guttural meathead. Bro!
0: Bro!
2: I love what and the crowd he gives pops H another with one him. For
0: good measure. I loved it. I'm like, yes.
2: Well, you know that the crowd chants one more time after every power slam. They just want to see how many he'll rack up. And sometimes (laughs) it's two or three or four if he's really feeling saucy. You know. You want another.
1: (laughs) Uh, It's crazy
2: to me that Braun Strowman, who debuted with the Wyatt family, is this silent character who I didn't understand how they were going to get over, who I started to at the beginning of his push. Get a little bit annoyed. Like, what is this dude getting pushed to the front for? And now I totally see it. Like, they sold me on Braun Strowman. He's so over. You could make him a super heel. You could make him a superstar. Obviously, the Roman Reigns angle, when they were just letting Strowman devastate Roman at every pass, you know, made his legacy a little bit brighter. But now it's just like the sky is the limit for Braun Strowman, you know? I know that the plan is... For them to go to mania, it's
1: going to be Roman versus Brock. But I'm telling you, if I were booking it, I would swerve it. Strowman wins the Rumble. Strowman and Brock, even though they've already did that match, Strowman beats Brock and sends Brock out to pasture. I would love it, and and then you make Strowman into a big star, and and then he's uh, he's big, he's tough. He's babyface, but he's not clean babyface. He's not kissing babies. He's a tough son of a bitch, and maybe he's not the best guy to go send to Good Morning America. But he's also, but like he's he's a very person. He has a he has a personality outside of the ring.
2: I mean, have you seen Wonder Strowman? <laughs> yes. So I feel
1: like if you let him be himself, I feel like he'll be fine. It, like when you want him to go do promo appearances
2: absolutely
1: you know let him break k Fabe just a little bit and just but then you let people know that when he's out there when he's in the zone he is the monster like the monster is there like he just no one's gonna stop him and uh so like I feel like they sent them the night off perfectly uh to rate this show out of five I probably would give this show uh same rating 3 out of f- 3.5 out of 5. Uh, I felt like both shows are relatively even. Um and it was just like the last match uh, of Survivor Series was just the the ending made up for like it the match itself being so-so.
2: Absolutely.
1: Uh, it was it it, it it was good enough, but it wasn't as good as some of the as I said some like some of the past years and then the the Stroman ending like I I didn't mark out with it like 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 uh, i haven't marked out in years uh, not like that but it's like i i i i went to bed happy that night i was like hell yeah that was that was the i loved it because then h i don't know if you saw this h sold it uh even out, even after the camera's rough air and uh like like they had stephanie come out and then he just could, every he would get up he would try to raise his hands he'd fall over and he just couldn't <laughs> stay like up and then there was a fan cam or like a phone from like the, the audience. And it showed H walking up the entrance ramp. And he's like, yeah, you know, raising his hands up, turns around and walks right into the, like the <laughs> led light, light, light. He's like poof, and he goes <laughs> down. Again. And what's funny is, is that you, you like, you see him turn around and he sees it and he's doing this for the crowd. He is just like, he can't stay on his feet. He, he was selling that Braun Strowman, that Strowman messed him up that bad. They had that. He was just knocked wonky. And, I love it man. H I I love that H can wear a lot of hats whether it's like the big serious gonna gonna end your career hat or like the goofy like completely like entertaining hat.
2: Absolutely. Or total badass if you need him, you know. Exactly. All in the same time, but uh Brando, before we get into the next thing, I want to say did you see this meltdown that happened in wrestling?
1: The meltdown, are you talking about uh what happened last night as we record this?
2: No. No. I'm not sure what you're speaking on that happened last night. Uh
1: well, last night, um uh, Bray Wyatt beat Matt Hardy. Oh, we could talk
2: about that,
1: yeah. Um and um well like what we had was Hardy laying in the corner kind of losing his mind. Delete, 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 delete. He's saying it. He's not just doing it.
2: Yeah. He's on the verge, man. They're teasing Broken Matt Hardy. I just heard that there is something where uh, in the next 30 days, if no one appeals for the name, which it looks like Anthem will not do, that in like 31 days, we could have Matt Hardy, maybe? Well, it's actually, it's like December 15th. Oh, wow. Whoa.
1: So it's closer than we think.
2: Wow. But, so, yeah, they got to start I, seeding this up.
1: Which is why I think they've started because it kind of seems like it's going to happen. And, um, it's the perfect move because if they go with Broken Matt, it gives him something to do while Jeff is still recuperating and you don't have Matt just wrestling random matches. You can do a storyline with him and then when Jeff comes back... Turn him. Well, then right there, you can have him join up with Matt and be Brother Nero and uh, do... it. Um, Some people are really worried that the creative in WWE is going to ruin it. I feel like as long as the Hardys are in on it and as long as Hardy's own the character and they're not going to want to do something they don't want to do. Um, uh, we have a potential for this to be
2: something cool. Absolutely. It's yeah. uh definitely great possibilities in the making. If they turn hardy to the broken character or if he can become woke or whatever they, they've teased. Maybe it might be something different. Who knows? I always said that they should do extremely broken Matt Hardy, you know, a mixture of the team extreme and broken thing, but uh, woken Matt Hardy, woken Matt Hardy would be good. Yeah, that's uh, see,
1: that's a play on words. It's like I am woken, am I woken brilliance? <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Uh, you could also do shattered Hardy. He's shattered. more broke than broke. He's fucking shattered.
1: <laughs> Shatner Hardy.
2: Shatner Hardy. Oh Jesus!
1: Well, you know, Jeff. We are just too extreme for Raw.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was actually going to say, though, before we started talking about Jeff or Matt Hardy, I was asking if you saw the meltdown that happened at House of Hardcore 35.
1: No. um, I did not see that. Does this have to do with a certain uh, wrestler who's no longer with with WWE?
2: Correct.
1: Now I have not watched the video. I did. Um, I have not watched it, but yes, oh not talk about it.
2: Well, okay, so like the title of the video was like something about a uh, huge return fail or whatever.
1: Huge return speech like gone bad or
2: something. Gone like that. bad, correct, correct and Austin Aries comes out and he first starts talking about his book and veganism and he's like trying to sell his fucking book and he's not cutting a wrestling promo he's doing a promotion for his fucking book and then he's done with that and then he starts talking about wrestling and whatnot. but he's talking all slow and then like
1: I just saw a meme and it like totally just like threw me off of what you were saying (laughs) It's the Punisher and and like Batman. I'm 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 just gonna go ahead and send it to you. Yes, please little, send it to me. A little little bit of journey into comics here, <laughs> because because <laughs> it it stopped my day.
2: <laughs> they best friends it's the, now.
1: It's the Punisher. He's like I lost my kids. Batman's like I lost my parents. They both have like three dots. And then it shows Punisher pushing Batman on a swing. <laughs> Brilliant. That's I'm hilarious. sorry, but c- please, please continue. He's trying okay. to sell a book, and he's being all fucking so quiet, you said?
2: He's just kind of slow talking, and he's kind of talking. And then he starts all of a sudden, he's like recounting what happened and it not being a bad thing that he got let go and like trying to save face or something. And this is the the rebirth of austin aries well the crowd is not having it he's not doing a good job of getting himself over because to start this whole fucking thing he started selling a book so what does the crowd do they start chanting shut the fuck up shut the fuck up and he can't get a word in edgewise shut the fuck up well then he starts like attacking a fan in the crowd verbally he's like you know what man you know, you could say, shut the fuck up to me. And, you know, I could... Old Austin Aries, I would come down right now and I'd get in your face and I'd kick your fucking ass or I'd tell you where I'm staying and, and see if you had the fucking balls to meet me. But you know what, man? You, I get it. You're drunk. You've had a couple beers. You're, a little, a little, you're just getting a little crazy at the wrestling event. It's cool, man. I get it. Like, he's still being an asshole. And then he starts talking about how... You know, and in my career, I have been known as an asshole, and maybe I should own that, but I'm not an asshole. Like, I'm a good guy, and it was just down, down, downhill. The crowd was not into it at all. It was kind of sad to see, actually, but uh, back to Monday Night Raw. Rampage, Page is back. Rampage, Page 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 is back. She's back in the company. It's not fake this time. It's real. Apparently... Al Patron is really out of the picture now So she can appear on TV I don't know how that works It just seems like That's an interesting correlation She starts dating Alberto Del Rio She's magically off the off TV And now that she's no longer dating Alberto Del Rio She's all of a sudden back on Monday Night Raw
1: I like how you called him Al Patron
2: Isn't it Alberto Al Patron?
1: Alberto El, but you called him Al And then like <laughs> <laughs> like, like Al Borland from
2: like Tool Time. Like, <laughs> Oops, my bad. I didn't mean to do that. I don't think so, Paige. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so, Page. Uh, no, but Paige debuted with a couple chicks, Sarah Morgan, and I can't remember the the, the MMA fighter looking chick's name because I suck.
1: They had some uh some some NXT call ups and um 5 to be exact. Yeah, yeah, we, we we had a few and I can't remember all their names because I haven't really been following all of them here, but um what we do have is a rumor that they're going to be doing a women's ba- uh, royal rumble this year.
2: Yes, there's it's a, a 20 woman royal rumble. <clears throat> And also rumor that they're doing a
1: women's elimination chamber. Really? Really? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Are there going to be pillows? Well, I- I- if you remember, the new chamber's actually padded.
2: Oh, that you know what? I do remember that. They padded they, it finally. There's no real, um, what do you call metal it? Metal grates. Metal grates,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've definitely made the chamber safer um, for the better. I mean, to, to be honest, it's like I would not want to go in there in that old chamber and take bumps on that metal grate. Nope. I cannot, you know, the you know kudos to all the guys that did. They've made the chamber. It, it's still serviceable as a chamber. It's taller, so you can do more stuff off the chambers, all that kind of stuff, off the pods. But I think Raw gets the elimination chamber this year.
2: Interesting.
1: Um, and so I kind of feel like with that being said, either someone from SmackDown is going to win the Rumble or Roman's going to win the Rumble and then have to – or someone else is going to win the Rumble and going to have to defend it in the chamber because uh, I think they're, that's how they're going to just decide who's going to, to face Lesnar is going to be who wins the chamber. Um, so if I were them, I would have somebody from SmackDown win the Rumble and if AJ is still champion hmm hmm
2: what do you do man i i don't know that's that's future tripping for what we can't even see cuz we would have to know who even wins the rumble this is so confusing
1: that's if you know that's if AJ is still champion they might get they might give it back to gender, which I hope they don't do, and not because I hate gender, but because to take the belt off of gender, so gender doesn't have to wrestle Lesnar, because he doesn't, they don't see him as a big enough starter. wrestle Lesnar
2: giving Just him the title him, back looks bad
1: to me. It does because it's like, oh, you weren't, you weren't a big enough starter, wrestle Lesnar, uh, but you were good enough to hold it for a while. Let me and hit you real quick. Ratings are
2: down. Ratings are down.
1: Ratings, ratings, and houses have been down. So. It's time to give it back to somebody who can hopefully bring those up. No offense to gender, but that responsibility historically has gone on to the champion who draws the houses and draws the shows.
2: So... Uh, Yeah, who knows. Uh, To get back to it, Brando, I wanted to tell you that Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville are who debuted Mm -hmm. with Paige. And then on SmackDown, in either the laziest writing in wrestling history... Or, I'm hoping, uh, the secondary tendril of this unit. Uh, Ruby Riott, Liv Morgan, and Sarah Logan debut on SmackDown in a similar fashion, decimating some of the SmackDown women's roster. Uh, Ruby Riott, actually from Lafayette. Uh, shout out there. But, uh, you know, this setup for the Rumble is cool. I think right now that brings the total number of women to 21. On the two shows for the Rumble, the thing is that you obviously aren't going to have Alexa Bliss or Charlotte in there, there. so those are out. So you would most likely have a couple special run-ins. Come on, it's a Rumble. How dope would it be if Lita's music hit or if Kelly Kelly's music hit or who knows? Who knows who could come out? One of the Bellas maybe. I don't know. Uh,
1: that is possible. Uh, Bree's been training for a comeback, I think. Yeah. yeah. Nikki could always come in.
2: Yes, absolutely. So, you know, that's interesting. Now, Brando, on the flip side of it, we, you kind of touched a little bit on the Royal Rumble here. Do you know Jericho was on, I think it was the Ross Report podcast recently, a couple days ago? He confirmed there that, guess what? Vince. Signed off. Gave the thumbs up. Go make that money, Sonny. Go get that Kenny Omega Wrestle Kingdom money, Chris Jericho. So Vince knows about the deal. The plot then kind of thickens if you think about it. Because now, Vince knows that Y2J is going to Wrestle Kingdom. What would happen if Jericho beats Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom 12 and then appears in the Royal Rumble and Jericho's in the Rumble. Holy shit, Jericho's at the Royal Rumble. He's back. He just after the successful defeating of Kenny Omega. He's back in the WWE where he gets eliminated by Kenny Omega, setting up a grudge match at Mania. Not maybe it's happen. a maybe it's a one-time deal. You don't think it's going to no. happen?
1: No, not not at all. I I see Jericho putting over Omega in Wrestle Kingdom. And then from everything that I've heard, Jericho might be at the Raw twenty fifth anniversary show on the that that's like the go home for for the Rumble. But by the time that the weekend comes around, he's going to be back on the road with Fozzie.
2: Oh, boo earns
1: And so, um, I don't I don't foresee them doing any business with New Japan at this time, um. If Omega decides to leave, that's one thing. They can look at that, but if he did... I don't know. I, I just...
2: I simply I, do not know.
1: I don't see them doing that because Vince sees himself above that.
2: I just think it's a totally missed opportunity.
1: I agree, but I'm trying to put myself in the mind of Vince McMahon, and he is completely oblivious.
2: How much longer McMahon. before they like go, Hey, Vince... You probably shouldn't be calling shots anymore, brother. Buddy, (laughs) you tell him that and he's going to just want to prove you wrong even more. Yeah, but I mean, there's going to be, I'm not trying to be dark and grim here, man. I'm just being honest. He's getting older. He's in his late 70s now. How old? 75 or 76, I think. Let's
1: look up. Okay, look it up. How old are you, bastard?
2: Damn, he'd be so mad if he knew you called him a bastard. He is a bastard, and he knows it. He does know it. Oh,
1: man. Um, I don't want to see his damn Twitter feed.
2: Vincent Kennedy McMahon. He
1: is 72.
2: 72. Okay, so I, I overestimated a little bit, but still, he's getting up there. He's not a young spring chicken anymore. How does a 72-year-old man think he has his finger still on the pulse of what people want in professional wrestling in 2017? I'm just saying. I feel like H might have a better handle on it, and that's why we're seeing NXT be as good, if not sometimes better, than the main roster. All I'm saying is right now we might be living in the NXT era of wrestling, where NXT is what people are going to remember over anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, because all this other stuff... You know, you're you're too much future tripping. Oh man, we have to get Roman over, so we're going to have to give Lesnar the title for a whole year and no one's kicking out of the F5 and all these big long-term plans muddies down wrestling a little bit. You got to be able to think on your feet. I think that's why the past couple pay-per-views have done well is because they've had things that had to change last minute that made them think on their feet and not just go Well, we know how to drive the product and the story we're trying to tell right now. As long as we keep churning it out exactly how we planned it, it will always work the way we want to. You know, I think that's boring take.
1: Well, you know, part of what was exciting about the Attitude Era was the seemingly like what was called Crash TV where you kind of had to watch. And sometimes it would be really cool to see what exactly is going to happen, you know, happen now. Uh, but another times it would be completely ridiculous and it's like uh you going back and watching those uh you know those those attitude era raws there's a lot of good stuff and there's some stuff that you're just like what the hell am I watching
2: uh it's a lot of smut brando
1: there is so much smut
2: you know i never realized my dad being like i don't want you to watch that fucking smut he was so right. I should not have been watching that schmutz. It's, it's bad sometimes. It's wow. You know what I want to say? We didn't mention this on the amazing Patreon-exclusive Montreal job episode that you can check out on the Journey into Comics. Patreon at Journey into Comics. Or wait, at Patreon.g- Patreon.com backslash Journey into Comics. I'll get it right sometime, folks. It happens like that. But, uh you know one thing we didn't talk about is in the 90s like people had the worst signs ever oh man i cannot believe some of the signs i saw at survivor series 97 like i don't even think i should repeat them here on the podcast that's how bad they are dropping f words that i don't personally use you know what i'm saying yeah Exactly. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <If> that's any <laughs> example of what I'm talking about, you know? <laughs> like, it's not the fuck word. that I'm cool with that, but ridiculous. So, yes, I think that wrestling back in the day was was definitely smut, and times are changing. Uh, but, Brando, do you have it ready, my friend? Are
1: you talking about the randomizer? Yes, I do. Yeah, bro.
2: I hope it's not all Magnum right. TA, because I don't feel like I know dick all about it. <laughs> <laughs> if we're being honest. Uh, no, that's all man. I was thinking today. It was just like, Well,
1: shit. It, well I'll tell you what. If he, if it's not him, you better be doing some homework on some Magnum TA and watching some old school matches. Give I'll me a give list, bro. Yeah, please do. But on the list here, we have 10 names of of pro wrestlers here. And uh, we are going to go through the names, and uh, it's going to be in a random name picker. It is legit, guys. I. It's on... www.miniwebtool.com slash random name picker. And here we have Ric Flair, CM Punk, Scott Hall, Chris Jericho, Trish Stratus, Ultimate Warrior, Edge, John Cena, Magnum TA, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. We're going to pick a random name and we're going to gush about this guy, talk about his career, talk about some of our favorite matches. And here we go. And it
2: is...
1: CM Punk.
2: Oh, yes. I'm so happy that that's what you're telling me right now because he is my absolute favorite modern era wrestler who I feel was wronged and left left the entirety of wrestling with so much more to offer. I very much hope that CM Punk maybe one day makes a professional wrestling return, Brando. So let's go ahead and get into this right now. Uh, CM Punk, some of the most memorable things you can talk about him in professional wrestling aren't necessarily him being in the ring, but in his promo work and his outspokenness, he has made himself such a cornerstone character of wrestling.
1: He reminded me a lot of guys like Roddy Piper and Austin in that Renegades type style promo that he would cut. Um some of my favorite stuff was before he even signed to the WWE, uh, when he was still in Ring of Honor. The the matches that he had with Joe are a legend. You know, the hour long draws and um and then of course the third and final like it went I can't remember how long that damn match was, but those matches were just off the wall. Of course, that's back when he was uh, his finishing move. Yeah, it was called the Pepsi Plunge. Yeah, it was like a top rope pedigree, and then uh, he had a move called the Pepsi Twist, and it's like all of his damn moves were named like named after Pepsi. And it was he really
2: funny. likes Pepsi.
1: He, you know, he had a good, he had a great feud with uh, Chris Hero, or known as Cassius Ono, and in, in NXT. And then of course he finally comes to the big show, and the first summer of Punk of 2005, he's in Ring of Honor, and uh, he's going to the WWE, and he wins the Ring of Honor World Title, and he says that he's going to take this belt and place it on Vince McMahon's desk as a trophy. You know, he's getting some real heat with Ring of Honor fans, and then of course he gets his contract, and he and he signs the contract on the Ring of Honor belt. Like oh that's great fantastic, I want to say he lost the belt. This is off memory, but is it um, Jamie Noble? Looking that's now, um he he had a different ring name at the time, um something Gibson. But uh yeah like Punk had, Punk defended the title and like and then he. He dropped it, and then he went to OVW, and he was not happy in OVW. He was pretty, uh, he didn't feel like he needed to be there. And unfortunately, with Punk, when he's not inspired, uh, he gives less.
2: Absolutely.
1: But that's when he got the ear and got the eye of Paul Heyman. And he learned how to write wrestling television, and he learned a different aspect of the business. Um, You can learn about this by watching his Blu-ray DVD, Best of the World, It's awesome. You know, where, you know, where where he talked about that and where he became a fan of Paul and Paul became a fan of his. And then, of course, when they were redoing uh, ECW on the main roster, Paul wanted him on the main roster. He's like, he's like, he's one of my stars. There's like, there's no doubt. So when they did it, they brought him up. I want to say his debut match was against, uh, just incredible. And they were at the Manhattan center. Yeah. And, um. you know, and Punk started off his career in the main roster, on the ECW roster, and he he had an uphill battle. He really did, because people didn't get it. Um, you know, there was a, on, on the Something to Wrestle podcast with Bruce Pritchard, he talked about, he didn't get Punk until he sat down and talked to him. He sat down, they were up in the stands, and they, I don't I can't remember if they were recording it or filming it, but he just started interviewing Punk. And he, you know, he's like, what is straight edge? What is it? And it's like, he didn't get Punk until he sat down with him one-on-one and understood who he is and what he is and what, and what makes him tick. And I, I have a feeling that there were other guys working for the WWE that didn't get him either. And that was a detriment to Punk. Uh, Punk was a victim of start-stop booking uh, throughout his career uh I really hate that but it's hot and cold it, it's like nowadays they say wins and losses don't mean anything but they do absolutely they, uh you know it's like they they kill momentum and punk had a lot of momentum they, they there there were times where they didn't know what to do with him because they weren't doing anywhere with him at that moment you know eventually he would win the ECW title and uh he held that for a while and you know he, he then he won the first Money in the Bank. Uh,
2: that was at twenty four, not the first one, but his first. His first, first one. one, yeah, Cause he, he, because he 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 was in the one before it, twenty three yes. as well.
1: Yes, he was in that one, and then he won the twenty fourth, and he also won the twenty fifth. And twenty fourth, I I mentioned earlier here in the show about how I marked out. Yes, that was one of my last big mark out moments. I remember living in my in the second apartment watching Raw. And they were doing the draft around that time, and Batista had left Edge Lang in Punk's music hit, and I'm like, I've been a fan of Punk for a long time, you know, I, I for you know for a few years at this point, for about four years, and I'm just like, fucking marked out. I'm like, yes, he's finally gonna win the world title, and unfortunately, that run wouldn't amount to a hill of beans, but, um, but it was that moment. You can't take that moment away.
2: Absolutely. And
1: unfortunately you know unfortunately for punk uh he would have more of those moments where you know that first run it, it it ended with him losing the world title without him being even in the match i thought that was stupid even as a even before everything and, and before you learn all the behind the scenes crap the, even as like like a fan of wrestling and a fan of the business that's silly absolutely um but then then you go and then he did the uh, he went and then he won another Money in the Bank, and then and then he turned heel and he cashed in on Jeff Hardy, which was a great move, and then they did the whole Hardy feud, which was a great feud, and then he dropped the belt to Taker, and sort of like lost momentum. And then they did the straight edge society.
2: Him completely riffing, by the way. I have two years. I have what did he say? He had two months of television written out for his character and what he wanted to do, and they just let him run with it. Yeah, brilliant.
1: Yeah, and it and it worked because, I mean, he he created a whole new character for himself, and then uh, once again, it got to a point, and then it just didn't matter anymore. And then for some reason, uh, I think he was injured, and he and he, and he ended up on like commentary and I actually kind of liked him on commentary. Um, I remember, um, there was one time where like he was on commentary and like, I think Cole was in the ring or, and people like he was the only one still at the table. And then like the anonymous raw GM laptop went off and he like looked around and he's like me. Do I like, like, do I read it? (laughs) And, um, He stands up to the podium and he's like, always wanted to do this. (laughs) May I have your attention, please? (laughs) I have a message from the, I have an email from the the anonymous role general manager. He was, uh, he was having fun with it. Um, Of course, this all led up to him taking over the Nexus and that weird failed storyline.
2: They fucking dropped the ball Um, there too.
1: I mean, it like in all, in all intents and purposes, like, uh, Miz was the champion at this point. They were trying something new, and and I've said it before. Miz wasn't ready yet. He's ready now. Yep. And I and I've been championing the Miz for quite some time here, uh, but I, I he wasn't ready yet. But but Punk was. And Punk had I think he wrestled Randy Orton that year. Um, but then it would all come to a head that year. So that was 2011. Money in the Bank, one of the best matches of this decade still uh from to, you know 2010 to 2020 um I, I remember watching that live and it was just a, it was that hostile crowd you know ecw one night stand oh six you know it was it it, it was a moment
2: if punk loses we riot
1: yeah that type of thing of they are in Chicago and he's supposed to be the heel but he's not this is and that was after the uh he you know he dropped that pipe bomb promo and really caught the wrestling world on fire again for the first time in a long time he coined the paul Heyman guy yeah i mean that promo is a legendary promo that promo is right up there with some of your biggest promos of all time absolutely and uh of course that led to this match and he was supposed to be leaving with the belt they he didn't resign until that night uh where, you know, he was thinking he was going to leave. And he resigned, and he won the belt and left with the belt. It was a great ending. Absolutely. And I loved how, like, he, he was playing with Vince. And I loved how he even used social media because how they did it was he left through the crowd, went left out, like, the front door of the building into a cab that was waiting there for him with his bags in it. And then it took off, and he lived right down the road from the venue, not too far away. And he was still in his wrestling gear, ran up to his apartment, just, you know, threw his bags down or, or like, or whatever. And he said, he, and then he ran to his fridge to get some water because he was dehydrated. And it like, he, he just ended up sitting down with his, like in front of his fridge with that open. Cause he was hot and let, let, like letting the cool air from the fridge run on him while he was drinking. And And he just kind of sat there like, man, this is my life. <laughs> this just happened. And he had the belt, and he just looked in his fridge, and it was kind of empty, so he thought it would be funny if he put it in the fridge. And he posted it on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, But uh, where he put the belt in the fridge and took a picture of it, like next to his Diet Cherry Pepsi or whatever, <laughs> um, in Red Bulls. That it was, it was, it was a pretty cool moment. And then, of course, he made a rogue appearance at that year's Comic-Con. And they were doing some cool stuff where it kinda seemed like he was like the champion. He was yeah, he did appearances at like you know, at like a Cubs game and he was doing some other stuff and you know like he was the champion but he wasn't signed with the company, quote unquote. And I really feel like they missed a missed an opportunity to keep him out of the company until the fall. Yeah. Um you know, let him actually go to Ring of Honor. Let him go to New Japan with the belt. And work out some business where your guy gets to go and defend the title there and you have you crown a new champion in the wwe whether that's john cena of course they did a whole thing with mysterio where he held the belt for like a cup of coffee (laughs) for a literal cup of coffee yep (laughs) like yeah literally he won the belt went backstage had a cup of coffee they told him he's wrestling cena and he goes well i guess i'm losing it And he did, but that was the night that 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 punk came back, and I I thought it, and he came back with the new music. So he did like he, like he didn't know what was going on until he actually walked out on stage. Cult personality, uh, and uh, I really feel like if they'd have kept punk out for a few months, with him kind of making appearances with the belt and. They they could have run out and draw out the storyline to make people going, what is going on, dude? He actually left with the belt. He screwed Vince McMahon. You can sort of blur that line of reality a little bit, even though, you know, and, that's, and see, that's the magic of pro wrestling is, you know, we know it's fake. We know it's fixed. But it's that ever slight hint of doubt.
2: Well, and it's when the lines are blurred, Brando. The impo- yeah. The ever important moments where Jeff Hart, okay, okay, example, Matt Hardy edge. They had real real life heat against each other, and it made the moments on wrestling more real. You felt it more. They were more impactful. So when CM Punk's like, fuck you guys, I'm leaving the company, Vince is like, oh shit, he's leaving the company. And then he decides not to, swerve, okay. And then he makes you know a surprise return and automatically starts controversy over who really is the champ. He never lost the belt. Hell, he he won the belt and hasn't had a match since he won the belt, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, they kind of rushed it because they wanted to, to sell tickets and numbers for SummerSlam. Uh, it's unfortunate because then they go to SummerSlam and Punk and Cena have the rematch. Punk wins again but gets attacked by Kevin Nash.
2: They were going to set something up with this and then didn't ever do it.
1: Well, Del Rio... Al Patron, um he ends up cashing in on Punk and becoming the new champion. It was supposed to be Punk versus Nash, but Nash didn't pass the physical due to a heart problem that he had had. He ended up did pass. He ended up passing it, uh, but it was like he didn't get cleared all the way until like December or like November, December, because that's when he ended up wrestling Triple H. Yep. Um but he ended up wrestling Hunter instead at the next pay per view where he lost, and like don't i don't like they totally screwed up his momentum and it it just it's it's wrestling booking it just did not it did not compute he eventually did win the title back and that would be the the longest WWE title reign uh since the Hogan era you know he he surpassed JBL he surpassed Diesel and uh went well over a year And, uh, of course, what was awesome about this moment is that he got to not, quote, main event WrestleMania, but he got to defend the title at Mania against Jericho. Great guy. a great match, too. It's not like the show stealer, but it was a pretty darn good match. They actually had a better match, I feel. Was it Extreme Rules or whatever they... Payback, right? They did the Chicago Street fight? It was one of them, yeah. Um, I don't remember the name of the damn pay-per-view events anymore. They changed them on me, but... Um, that match I felt was a little bit better, but you couldn't get there without the mania match. And then of course, midway through the summer, he, he, like he turns heel, he, he defends against Cena, Who's cashing in the money, the bank on him in a match. Cause he's a baby face and he's not going to cash in, uh, out of nowhere. And, um, I remember the rock comes out and he ends up like hitting the rock or something. And then that sets up The Rock versus Punk at Rumble. They have a lot of, they have a cool little heel run with him, and, and and I feel like it's some of his best work in the company with some of these heel promos with Heyman just being there holding the belt I thought was great, where Heyman didn't have to say anything, he's just there. Yep. Um, some of these promos were absolutely fantastic. Of course, this leads to the debut of The Shield, and of course they're saying that, well, no, no, no. Punk's like, they're not my guys, but really... They was all designed to be his guys. Yep. Um, that led to the Rumble where he met the Rock, and then he lost to the Rock, and uh, and that that match is great too. Uh, Punk did business there. Then that goes, uh, you know, they have this rivalry where he's trying to get back in the title picture, and, and eventually loses to Cena, and Cena and R- Rock 2 happen. My personal opinion, it should have been. The Rock defending against Cena and CM Punk. Yeah, way you didn't that way that once in a lifetime one on one match could still be correct. That way, that way you could still have Cena win the title at Mania, but it it's not just those two going at it. You can have Punk get involved. You can have Rock take a breather, Cena take a breather, Punk take a breather. You know, you can you can make some cool moments with those with those three guys, and and plus that would also kind of help cement Punk as like on their level. Yeah. Um but then um the course that led to him wrestling The Undertaker, which is not a bad spot to have on the card.
2: That's no. a great spot. I think he but, should have been the one to end the streak personally, but
1: uh mm,
2: well, considering how he felt about
1: it, I I kind of dis- just I kind of disagree because I I kind of feel like that he didn't want it. So that's true. It, if you're if if your heart's not in it, don't do it. And of course, that match was a good match, too. He he probably, you know, once again, he went out there and tried to prove why he should have been in the main event and uh, wrestled a good match. And then he ended up wrestling Lesnar at SummerSlam. Yeah. Uh, and that sort of led down to the path of his departure from the company. And uh, he he had some matches teaming up with Daniel Bryan against The Shield, I think. Yeah, and. And then uh, the rumble was his last appearance, and he got eliminated by Kane. And the the rumor was he was going to go head to head with Triple H at Mania Thirty. He didn't want that. Um, he he either wanted to be in the main event or he wanted something else. He 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 also went to bat for. He said he went to bat for Bryan to be in the main event, and that did happen. And yes, maybe it that did. Have, maybe that wouldn't have happened if Punk would have stayed. Maybe if Punk. Would have made more of a... Um, more of a stink. He he might have got the main event nod, finally. Um, uh, but things kind of happened the way they did. And he ended up getting released. Uh, on his wedding day, no less. And then he went to go try another passion of his. And that's MMA. You know. Um, he lost his debut UFC fight. uh but I mean, you can't you can't dog on him. He tried, you know. He and and then he he's still trying. He's not giving up on it. He wants to he wants to under he wants to undergo at it, and you know he's got more balls
2: than me. So, uh, from what I understand, Punk will probably not be another have another UFC fight. Uh, just you know, Dana White looks at it realistically and. CM Punk talked to this big game and then didn't really show up to the th- to the party, you know. And you have to look at it in reality. And Mickey Gall was also coming up and making a name for himself, and just did he did solid business in the world of fighting. So, I'm, I I want to kind of say this about Punk is that while I feel. He had some amazing matches and incredible moments in the WWE from the pipe bomb to the Money in the Bank memories to everything that happened to the Straight Edge Society. He did a great program with Chris Jericho where Jericho was saying he wasn't straight edge and there was a whole like punk faked being drunk thing, which was hilarious. You know, uh, I hope though with the current landscape of wrestling, that there is room for CM Punk to make a return before it's too late for him to make a return. Because I feel he's got some great matches left in him. I feel like there are so many talented workers on the roster now. There, I mean, there's there's dream matches to be had in there. Can you imagine Seth Rollins versus CM Punk? Or how about... Here's one we've never seen. How about Kurt Angle versus CM Punk? Hmm. You know, there's there there are options there. A lot of different things that could happen.
1: Yeah, and that's just the thing is that that he's got to want it, and right now he doesn't want it. So uh, it's it's a shame. I I really feel like Punk was a guy who, um, he got a ride, man, and he's gonna go down in history as one of the great uh, you know great players of our time but when you have an era that had John Cena at the top of during this time he's not going to be on that he he, he did, he's not on that level he he is not on Cena's level at all um and that's all due respect to Punk but he's not um y- you have a lot of guys that stood up and you know put on great matches and were good stars Edge is, is like another guy during that time who can easily say that, you know, he was one of Cena's greatest rivalries and I could kind of say the same, same thing for Punk. I think he's one of Cena's greatest rivalries there too. Um he's he's another player that without Cena maybe you know, yeah, Punk would have been great, sure, but then it's so much better with him. Who would he hate and, as much? Well, it, well I mean it, and, and that's the same thing with Cena too. It, 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 like if you're a fan of Cena and everything, you know, Cena's career's been great, but man what was Cena's career have been without Edge? Absolutely. I mean, what has Cena's career, what what would have been without the matches with Punk? Because Cena has proven time and time again he could come to the table. And those two, and I'm just going to say that my favorite match is that Money the Bank match. That match is a fucking masterpiece.
2: It absolutely is a masterpiece. Uh, it's one of the matches that got me back into wrestling. I was actually out of wrestling during the time that this match happened and people were like, you have to see it. It's amazing. Like, don't sleep on this match. So I think my buddy recorded it or something, and he was like, come over, we'll watch it. And we watched it, and I was like, wow. I liked CM Punk before, but I like him even more now. Holy shit. And then I like rewatched the Pipe Bomb and like, caught up to everything that was going on in wrestling, and then it was like, and I'm back. And then that was right back into Loving Wrestling, and I'm still there now, even here now today. All right, dude. So
1: he was your pick, sir. Oh, shit.
2: Who's on the list again?
1: Who's Flayer, left? Scott, Flair, Scott Hall, Jericho, Trish Stratus, Warrior, Edge, Cena, Magnum, TA, and Stone Cold Steve Austin.
2: Sexy Boy, Shawn Michaels.
1: H-B-K.
2: Yeah, has to be. Has to be on there for sure. There we go. Uh, but yes, see who
1: gets the nod next time. See him the random highlight.
2: Yeah, CM Punk, one of my favorites. I'm so glad we got to talk about him a little bit today. Brando, is there anything else we want to dive into in this week's episode of Journey into Wrestling before we depart?
1: I don't think so. I think we're going to touch on the Clash of the Champions as we get closer. I think we have an episode before the pay per view. Uh, maybe. Mm, yeah. Yeah, we'll have an episode right before the pay-per-view. Cool. Uh, where we can dive in especially when that card starts to f- shape out a little bit and we'll figure out who's who's going to be facing who.
2: I think we forgot to mention that Starcade happened.
1: Starcade did happen. Uh yeah. I mean, it was a Smackdown house show. Uh ticket sales were higher, th- higher than what they expected. And uh, the you know, it was it, it was basically the card was a s- typical typical SmackDown house show, but they added a couple cage matches. The women's title match, Charlotte and Natalya, AJ defended against gender. You had a couple of special appearances. You had Flair there. Ricky the Dragon but was there. Arn Anderson was there delivering that badass spine buster we talked about. Oh, yes, uh, he did. A few weeks back uh, to, uh, to Dolph uh, getting involved there. And then, of course, the Rock and Roll Express. Rock and Roll Express still wrestle, dude. Uh, but they weren't on the card because they would have to pass a WWE physical to That's do that. not happening. <laughs> and they went out with the Hardys and the New Day and twerked in the middle of the ring. Um, and then, of course, uh, was it Dash Wilder? Um, is that his name? One of the revival yes, dudes? he
2: got defeated he, by Dustin the Natural Rhodes. The Natural Dustin Rhodes. Well, they call him the Natural.
1: Natural S can be... Now, baby, see Dustin Rhodes, Fruit of My Loins, if you will. He went out there and got funky like a monkey on that Dash Wilder at Stockade, if you will, the, the event that I named, the, the, the event that I came up with myself to put over the flair for the gold, Rick Flair. Uh, they had a Dusty Rhodes package as well. I really feel like, and they're, they're thinking they might have another one next year, too. Ooh. And what's cool about it is that Starcade used to be on Thanksgiving Day. At the, Green, at the first couple were at the Greensboro Coliseum there. And, of course, uh, they had this on the weekend of Thanksgiving. And I'm telling you, man, even though that Survivor Series is, is like, around that corner, uh, they did not do a network special with this. And I think next year they should. I think they should do a network special. And if not, if not, what I propose they do is that I feel like the December pay-per-view, uh, it's Clash of the Champions this year. I think it should be Starcade next year.
2: Yes, that would be
1: awesome. You know, uh, maybe I'm reaching for that, but uh, there was a good reaction, uh, for you know, for this kind of like a mixture of the, of like the nostalgia a little bit with that, and whether or not it's Raw or SmackDown, maybe you can kind of have a, kind of an older Phil pay per view uh, with Starcade, and maybe just a little bit of a sprinkle of the Death the Rose,
2: the American Dream, if Ye- you will. Yeah. Uh, there All was right, a so- Fatal Four Way tag team title match at this Starcade.
1: oh yeah yeah yeah
2: the Usos defeating the New Day the um, Alpha Beta American whatever they're going to be called Beta American Beta I don't know what they're going to call themselves Uh, and then then Sammy and Kevin Owens then we had the Smackdown Women's Championship defended in a steel cage Rick comes out and introduces Charlotte. Charlotte defeats Natalia by way of the figure eight. And to close this evening up, we know we missed a match too. Uh, Shinsuke defeated uh, Baron Corbin. I forgot about that. Was that by
1: disqualification?
2: By disqualification. Uh, and then lastly, to end the night, the WWE Championship was defended in a steel cage, and AJ Styles' champion defeats Gender, escaping the cage to remain champ.
1: A pretty good finish there because that means they didn't get a another pin on him, and they can still build up to Clash of the Champions. So.
2: There you go.
0: All right, all right, so dig it now. We're going to take it
2: home here. Yes, we are. Ooh, Macho's taking it home for us this week. I'm so excited. Bring it on. Tell us where we can hear ourselves. Well, I
0: tell you what, you can hear us, hear us on all of your favorite podcast networks there. We're on the iTunes, the Podbean, the Stitcher Radio, and the Google Play Music. Ticket. And then, and only then, if you go to our Patreon at .com, Patreon's Journey into Comics, you can get early access and bonus content like the Montreal Screw. Job, provincial man kind of screwed over the, the old, uh, what you call the Brit, the hitman Hurts, and the whole HBKs got involved in that, and it was all rigmarole. He ends up in the WCWs with the macho man, Randy Savage. And if you want, you can check us out on all our social medias. I wasn't, I don't really know much about that myself, but you can go to the Facebooks. We're turning to wrestling on Facebook, J-I-W and J-I-C on the Twitters where we share some stuff and kind of discussing. We don't really use it that much because there's a lot of Twitters to go along with all this podcast
2: and stuff, yeah. That was really good, Brando, Jesus. <laughs> bringing another rest, another dead wrestling legend to life by Voice of Matronics. So if
0: you will, that's going to do it for us this week on Journey Into Wrestling. us up every other Wednesday right here on the Journey Into Comics Network on journeytocomics.com. And if you want to do that, buddy, for Nate, I've been the Macho Man Randy Savage. And we'll see you on the next episode of Journey into Wrestling. Oh, yeah.